Welcome, I'm Pastor Abraham, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Sun Valley Podcast. You can check out our church on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for worship thoughts, devotionals, and the latest events happening at our church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. All right, good morning. Well, it seems like I've been staring at a camera too much this week. Uh, can't do things live these days, and so I'm doing my uh, marriage workshop at Trinity through video, and uh, yeah, I get used to cameras. But uh, I'm holding up at home trying to stay alive, basically. That's what I'm doing. It, it is. I, there have been days where I've been kind of fearful, and uh, I think uh, we have to take this thing seriously. And, and then I keep thinking about how the governments are printing, they're just printing money on what's going to happen when this whole thing ends anyway. So uh, I was thinking that a relevant topic um, for this week is what makes a good friendship? I mean, aren't some of you missing your friends uh, this week, the last week perhaps even? I know I have, at least face to face, but uh, thank, thank goodness for technology because we can get on the phone and we can video Skype and all that stuff, which is really cool. So this week I want to talk about what makes a good friend. And uh, I got this little thing I found from a book. It goes, uh, a simple friend will stand by you when you're right. A real friend will stand by you when you're wrong. A simple friend identifies himself when he calls. A real friend doesn't have to. A simple friend doesn't know your parents' first name. A real friend has their phone number in his address book. A simple friend brings refreshments to your party. A real friend comes early, helps you cook, and stays late to clean up. A simple friend wonders about your romantic history. A real friend could blackmail you with it. A simple friend, when visiting, acts like a guest. A real friend opens your refrigerator and helps himself. A simple friend thinks the problems you whine about are recent. A real friend says... You've been whining about that for 14 years. Get off your duff and do something about it. I still remember the time when uh, I opened up my fridge to see what I wanted to find to eat that day, and I, hmm, what's this? And I brought up a container, opened it up, and it was full of squid. Little baby octopi. I thought, did you buy this at the grocery store? i never seen it before. How'd it get in our fridge? Okay, we got a few friends that just help themselves when they come over to our fridge. <laughs> he did it for a joke, and I, I could figure it out pretty within minutes who it was anyway. So let me, uh, let me share something today on friendship because I, uh, really, my favorite text, my favorite text is John 15, 15, where Jesus said, I call you my friend. I'd rather call you my friends. I want to be your friends. And when Jesus said those words, he revolutionized our understanding of God. The creator of the universe wants to be our friend. And at the same time, he enriched our idea of what friendship is. So my purpose today is to think about this idea of Jesus as a friend, and to think about 
what it really means to be a good friend and what kind of a friend Jesus is to us. So Jesus really nailed something down really hard. Just a few verses before John 15, 15, he said to Philip, who asked him, show us the Father, he said, Philip, have you not recognized me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So in this presentation, if I say Jesus or if I say God, I, I can use those words interchangeably because when we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. Now, I realize that in Scripture, we're called God's servants. We're called his students, you know, disciples or students. We're called God's children. But not all servants are friends of their master. And not all students are friends of their teacher. And not all children are friends with their parents. But Jesus took friendship to a whole new level when he made us his friends. So I think our culture has really lost this concept of friendship. I mean, after all, what's with this 700 friends on Facebook anyway? It's meaningless, isn't it? Is it not? The Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, do you agree? I've got, I've had, and I have friends that to me are closer than my, any of my sisters. I don't have a brother, so I can't relate to that. But definitely I would, I would talk to my friends about things I would never talk to my sisters about. And I hope we all have those kind of friends in our life. I think that family's thicker than blood. And some of my friends are, to me, they're family. But Jesus said, I call you my friend. Now, I can, I can talk about friendship in the sense of people are friendly. You know, we have friendly. I think we like friendly. Don't we like friendly? I mean, we have friendly airline assistants. We have friendly bank tellers. We have friendly grocery cashiers. Well, it's better than grouchy. I don't need a grouchy bank teller or a grouchy store cashier. And of course, at church, we always have friendly ushers greeting you at the door. But the facts are that most people leave the church because they can't find a friend. Friendly greeters don't cut it when it comes to friendship. Friendship requires more than friendly. People say, oh, it's so nice to see you at church today. We missed you so much. Well, actually, if you really miss me, why don't you... Call me when I'm at home. We've kind of lost this concept of friendship. Now, I met a friendly person in a hot tub on a cruise ship in February, and we had a really good chat. I could tell you a lot about this person. And it seems like so weird because after that, I was running into this guy like almost every day or several times a day. Hey, Hugh, how you doing? Yeah, hey, Don, how's it going? We'd have a little form a little more chats and stuff together. But you know something? I don't know what Hugh would, uh, would think if I called him up and say, hey, Hugh, this is Don. I got a few struggles, a few problems. You want to chat for a couple hours? 
I think he would say, no, no, Don, you got the wrong idea. I'm friendly, but I'm not your friend. You see, I think we misuse this word friend. Now there are wannabe friends, but they're too busy. And then there are virtual friends, the ones on Facebook. So Jesus said, Jesus said to his disciples, from now on, I want to treat you like friends. Now, what if one of the disciples said, Jesus, what's a friend? You know, Jesus really didn't talk much about that. He really didn't. You, if you look in the Bible, there isn't very much direct information on what makes a good friend. So I think we need to think about it. And I think if we think about it, we probably know what a good friend is. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to suggest five qualities of a good friend today. Now, where do I get these? Well, I have friends, and uh, I've read a lot of books, and I think I know a lot about what a good friend is. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look, instead of looking into the Bible to see what a good friend is, because there's really not that much there, directly there about the topic. We're going to look at what a good friend is and let that illuminate the Bible. Okay? It's, it's kind of like Jesus said, a kernel of wheat falls into the ground or it won't bear fruit. Now, there could be some city kid listening to that and they go, teacher, What's a kernel of wheat? And the teacher then describes and makes clear what a kernel of wheat is. And now the city kid can use that information to understand what Jesus said. So that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to look at what makes a good friend, and then we're going to use that information to understand what Jesus said when he said, I want to call you my friend. So there are five qualities, and we'll go through them quickly here. There's, first of all, the quality of, of affection. It's like liking each other, affection. Second is the quality of admiration. That goes a bit further and deeper. We admire one another. Then there's the quality of accountability. Friends allow themselves to be accountable to each other. There's the quality of accessibility. Friends are available to each other. And fifth, the quality of acceptance. What can I say? We all have our quirks and our quirks and our personality defects and our weird things about us, but our friends accept us anyway. So let's look at these five one at a time. And I'm going to ask you to do something this week. I'm going to ask you to... As you hear these five qualities, think about some of your friends. And maybe this week, because we really need to connect some way or another with our friends in this time of, of trouble that we're in, call up one of your friends and tell them what you appreciate about Anyway, let's go ahead. One of my best friends actually called me this week because we 
can't do our usual A&W meetup this time of quarantining, but you know, it was just good. It was good to catch up on the phone. Really good. And that's what affection is. It's just liking each other. Liking each other. Now, I believe that Jesus really makes God likable. I mean, I think when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that really, that really probably brought us up to some kind of new insights into what the Father was like. Because Jesus came and lived here, and the people went, wow, the Father's like this? That's, am- that's amazing. So affection is just liking each other. It's not loving each other. That's not what it is. I've told this illustration before. I'll tell it again. They did this survey with men, and they asked men two questions. They said, number one, does your wife love you? 80% of the men said yes. Second question, does your wife like you? 80% of the men said no. It's not the same. Like. Liking is like just hanging out. We like to hang out with people. You know, we, my, my friends and I, we like to hike and walk. We like to kayak. Doug and I really like to kayak. Kevin and I like to go to movies together. We all like to eat together. It's just liking each other. It's not sitting around a campfire you know, together thinking, oh boy, this is so nice having a friend, you know? And it's not any mushy stuff like, oh, I, I friend you. No, love is not the same as like. And it's not compassion either. Like Mother Teresa's pity and compassion on the, the dying of Calcutta. It's not like that. I mean, I don't want somebody to say, Don, I'd like to be your friend because I feel sorry for you. I don't need that. That's not what a friend is. So love and compassion is not the same as like. Love and compassion you can give to people you don't like. You probably ate Christmas dinner with some of those. Well, let's talk about a friendship with God using this criteria. God likes me. God likes you. God likes us. Can you wrap your brain around that? God likes us. He's interested in our uniquenesses. He's interested in my pets, my dogs. He's interested in my hobbies, the music I love, the food I love to eat. He likes to know these things. He likes us. That's, that's hard to put your mind around, doesn't it? I mean, let's, let's flip the tables. Do you like God? I mean, we've all grown up with some kind of understanding that we're supposed to fear God, which really means respect, and love God. But do you like God? I think if you haven't learned to like God, all you have is religion, not a relationship. Have you ever ever thought of the words of that old hymn? I remember singing it when I was a kid. My God and I go in the fields together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. We clasp our hands, our voices ring with laughter. Laughter? Can you imagine God sitting on the couch with you watching Mr. Bean? I think we could belly laugh together. Why not? He created orangutans, monkeys, and chimpanzees. So God likes you. Do you like God? Now, I have to agree. It's probably harder to believe that God likes me than it is to believe he loves me. 
Once again, we, we sort of mer- metaphorically, we sort of think of God holding his nose and saying, you know, I can't stand being around these people, but I love them anyway. No, that's not God. That's not Jesus. So it's hard to think of God and Jesus liking me a lot. It's hard, but it's true. The gospel isn't for scum who God despises but loves us anyway. The gospel is for likable people who have screwed up their lives, but God loves them and likes them too. That's the good news. So affection is liking someone, and that is the easiest part of friendship, actually. The second quality of a good friendship is admiration. So again, admiration is taking like up a notch a bit, okay? It's not like when you admire your friend, you're admiring their skiing technique or their choice of clothes or anything like that. This kind of admiration is where we look at our friends and we admire certain character qualities about them. Character qualities. Admiring our friends means we kind of hope that some of that character stuff rubs off on us. I mean, the best friends have made me a better person. So currently, I admire my, my friend Kevin because he's so resilient. So his attitude is so good in the face of whatever Kevin's going through. And I really admire my friend Doug because, well, Doug, he's been my friend for over 50 years, although there was a gap of time where we were going to each other. He was my high school and my college pastor. And now he's someone we hang out together. And in my book, I give him a chapter to read. He reads the chapter, we get together, we tear it apart, we talk theology, we talk about words, we talk about meaning of words, and we've discovered we're so much alike. It's cool. It's so cool to have good friends. And then there's my friend Bruce. Bruce, Bruce Boyd, we remember him. A lot of you do. I called him up this week. I wanted to know what's going on with Bruce, and I wanted to ask him something about something to do with my book, because he has a perspective about CUC and stuff that nobody else would have. So I called up Bruce, and we had a bit of a talk. And, and then at the end of the conversation, I, I just said, Bruce, actually, I just called you up to hear your voice. Bruce has a voice that just sort of calms you. It's just like so soothing, so calming. We all have friends. Now, when I was a, a father of four teenagers and teacher of high school students, I used to watch how kids would pick their friends. And to tell you the truth, I would cringe sometimes at the choice of friends some of these kids would choose. You know, people who have a low self-image seem to be attracted to people with a low self-image. And these kids come together and they just feed off each other's unworthiness. It's so sad. So sad. But I want to think of it this way. When we think of God being our friend. You couldn't have a better friend in the world. Good people who do good things make good friends. And God, he wants, and I want, his character qualities to rub off on me. 
So when Jesus said, I want to be your friend, he was offering us friendship with the best friend we could ever have in the universe. Now at this point, I sort of tremble at this whole idea that Jesus admires me. Whoa. Jesus admires you. That's even harder to grasp, is it not? He not only likes me, he admires me. Now, how does that, how would that look like? What would that look like? So, what that's saying is that God sees something in me that he really admires. He sees something valuable in you. Like you are the most precious thing in the universe. Oh, but you say, I know, I know. That's the way God looks at all of us. But does he really admire me as an individual? Yes, I think there's an important element we have to think about here. You are unique. I'm unique. We each have spiritual gifts, talents, skills. Everyone is unique. And God just admires watching us use those talents and spiritual gifts and skills at church, at home, in our community. He's created us. And then he's given us freedom. So it's not like he made a robot, and now he's sitting back and admiring the robot. He has created us to have choices, and now he sits back and he watches us choose, and he loves to watch us use our talents and our spiritual gifts that are unique to you. So use your talents. Use your spiritual, kit, spiritual gifts. Let them shine. Your playing small does not serve the world. It is your brilliance that allows others to shine too. Now, I don't know where that originally came from, but Nelson Mandela used that in his inauguration speech. The third quality I want to talk about, about what makes a good friend, is accountability. You know, there's no friendship without trust. Trust is the basis of every good friendship. And, and in, in this quality, we're trusting each other as friends, to help each other be better people. Accountability. I have, I've had and I have friends that will point out to me when I'm going off track. One time a good friend told me I was, I was working too hard and burning out. Sure enough, because of him, I went to the doctor and I ended up almost a year off of work. That's a good friend. Not afraid to tell you what they see in you. Now, a good friend motivates me. Motivates me to be a better, a better person. And if I'm going to be accountable to my friend, and if we're going to help each other grow and to be better people, better Christians, better husbands, better men, better neighbors, I'm going to have to give an accounting to myself, my friend. And what that means is when I'm struggling, I will open up to my friend. And we can bounce things off each other. We can bounce off our struggles with each other and dialogue about it. It's not just about schmoozing. 
It's about helping and being accountable to each other. Now, when we talk about God, we already know that God holds us accountable. He does. We know that. But perhaps it's easier to talk to God about our struggles because he already knows them. Talking to a friend, opening up to a friend, it's a bit scary. I mean, we're, we're afraid. We're afraid we're going to get judged or rejected. Now, if it's a true friend, you're not going to be judged and, directed, but, and rejected. But how do you know? How can you tell? Well, start small if you have to. Open up some of your smaller struggles. And just see how that goes. And then maybe as your friendship gets more trusting and you can trust your friend more, you can open up with anything you want and you know you're always going to be accepted. And your friend can, can give you ideas. That's what a good friend is all about. I don't think we have enough good friends today. I think there's so many lonely people in this world. So many lonely people. And I work with, as a counselor, I work with so many lonely people. It's tough. Yes, I think we all know God holds us accountable. But how can I put my mind around this? That God says, I want to be your friend, and you can hold me accountable. Well, King David held God accountable. Just read the Psalms. God, where are you? You're not listening. I'm in pain. God, where are you going? You're supposed to be doing something. Read the Psalms. And then there was Abraham, who was actually called the friend of God. He held God accountable. He said, Lord, you're not going to destroy that city, would you? Even, let's say there were 50 righteous people in that city. Would you destroy the whole city? Or would you save it? For and the Lord said, no, if there are 50 righteous, I won't destroy the city. And then Abraham started to get nervous, and he says, okay, 40. How about 40? Would you destroy it if there were 40? And he worked himself down, down, lower and lower. He was holding God accountable. You know, God's promised us many things. Can we hold him accountable to keeping those promises? He says we can. I believe we can, but we have to be careful. Because some of those, in fact, many of those promises are based on conditions, like if this, then this. But there's some promises that have no conditions. Like the promise that if we go through terrible times, really bad times, he's always going to be there. He's going to be there. And another promise he's made is that if we mess up, if something messes up, he can take whatever we've done, whatever mess we've made, and he can make it into something better, something good. Romans 8.28. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So even when we mess up, God's promise is that he'll be with us. His other promise is that Hang in there with him, and he can turn whatever messes we made into something good. You can take that to the bank. You can hold God accountable. Fourth quality is accessible. We make each other available. 
to each other. Friendship costs something. Friends put, can put a claim on each other, but you don't have to try to fix a friend. Now, I have a few friends. I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could call them up at any time of the day or night. And if they were actually in town, they would come, they would do anything for me. I know that. And I have had friends where I've had to drive in the middle of 3 o'clock in the morning, drive to their house to talk their daughter out of the committing suicide in the bathroom. And I remember the time I was called to his house, and I, I came in there, and he was sitting on the floor. There wasn't a stitch of furniture in his house. There was nothing. His wife had cleaned it out while he was at work and left him. And I stuck through that with him. Those are the kind of friends that stick closer than brothers. Are you available to your friends? Well, let's look at the friendship with Jesus. Are you available to God? Now, if this church were full of people, I'd say, you have come today and you've made yourself available to God because you've come to worship him. When you turned on your computer and went to that website to watch this, you made yourself available to God. But my prayer and hope is that you have a private life with Jesus. You make yourself available to him in your private, individual relationship. Now, we know God doesn't sleep, so he's always available to us. But that doesn't mean that when life goes sour, that we feel he's there. Sometimes we don't feel he's there. We, don't, we can't see, why, God? Why aren't you doing anything? How, where are you? Many people have made those comments. Over, I have. David did. Sometimes it just feels like God has, is absent, quiet. You don't hear a word out of him. Philip Yancey has written a lot of books on this topic. My favorite author. Disappointment with God. But God must know how it feels for us because 53 times God puts in the Bible, wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for him. So, generally, when we wait and we're patient, we make the discovery that he was there all the time. And sometimes, this is what Yancey kind of puts out there, and I think I agree with it. Sometimes we have to be in these places where, where we, don't, we don't know where God is so that we can pursue him. We can draw closer to him. And when we encounter him in those situations, we realize he was there all the time, keeping his promise. The fifth quality of a good friend. Number five, acceptance. There is a commitment to every friendship. A commitment is a commitment. Friends know us better than anyone in the world, but there's a commitment that no matter what they see in us, they're sticking with us. Friends are committed. It doesn't matter if they even like what they see in you, they're there for you. And that's what's so great about God. Oh, the wonder of wonders. His grace overlooks what he doesn't like when he sees me. Commitment. So God likes us and enjoys us and admires us and holds us accountable. And he's always available and God still accepts us no matter what. So I want to remind you to 
call up one of your friends this weekend. Talk to one of your friends and tell them what you admire, what you like about that friend. Found this little poem. Will you be my friend? There are so many reasons why you shouldn't. Often I'm too serious. Sometimes I'm cold and distant. I bluster and brag and I seek attention like a child. I brool and sometimes my anger can be wild. I shake a little most every day because I'm more frightened than the strangers ever know. And at times I show my trembling side and at times I show my sinning side. I wonder, will you be my friend? And he comes back and he says, I'm your forever friend. Your never ending friend. From darkest night to rainbow's end, I am your forever friend. I pray that all of us can have at least one friend like that on earth besides Jesus, our forever friend.